The Sour Hour is meant for the serious brewer. The Sour Hour may contain some seriously funkified content. The Sour Hour is not for the faint of heart. So exercise some damn discretion, would you please? Sheesh. And now, here's the Sour Hour with Jay Goodwin. All right, we're back. Part two of two of the listener beer episode duet. I don't know what to call these things because it's like they come out so far apart, but I always refer to them as like the same show. I struggle with that. Well, unless they don't. Sometimes there's uh, weeks in between. Mm-hmm. It really... Um, which yeah, is the actually, last two, there's only like, like a, what, day or two? Yeah, a couple of days. And uh, really, that's that's the optimum way you can release a podcast to um, build an audience. Be very sporadic and unpredictable. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, we, we get a lot of good feedback on that. Of course. <laughs> not not the emails. When is this episode going to be uploaded? Right. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's all Justin's fault. It is all. It's always Justin's fault. Right, right, Justin at thebrewingnetwork.com with any complaints that would be unrelated. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm going to start doing, Jay? I'm going to start just at the top of every show, just saying it's been too long. I like really, that. I, every every minute I go without interacting with you feels like too long. I've heard that before. <laughs> Which just, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you have. Yeah, I got my um, my my highlight of the week. It's been we were in here a week ago recording uh, July's episodes. Uh, my highlight of that seven day period was when uh, Jay called me at like a twelve forty four in the morning uh, on like a it's like must have been like Tuesday night or something. It was like, hey man, I was like, hey Jay, what's happening? And he's like. Uh, you got to hear my buddy here. And I was like, and you were just wherever you were, you were having a fantastic time. Totally tober. had a great uh, <laughs> laugh on the phone with you and your uh, drunken buddies over there. Yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> I am your talent scout for the next uh, brewing network or just podcasting star. Stay tuned for whatever that means. Yeah, royalties. Mm-hmm. I'm all about that. Uh, it's the Sour Hour, in case I didn't mention that at the top on the brewing network. I'm your host, Jay. That was uh, Scott. Hello. Hey, Scott. And uh, Lane's still here. He's uh, brought us our his great uh, homebrewed sour beers. He's got uh, his first one out already. It's dropped on the world. And then his, uh, his next one is, uh, is, is in progress. So great. thanks for sticking with us, Lane. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. Building a good baseline of sour homebrew, which I don't get to taste a lot. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I would agree. There's, there's a lot. I don't know. For some reason, uh, we get into more depth or it's more direct with homebrewers i guess i don't know what it is more, but I, I do enjoy t- the the homebrew the listener beer more direct than when we talk to commercial brewers you mean i think i think there's a little more intrigue sometimes on the commercial side just with kind of the other factors that go into that aren't beer making related i guess which people want to hear of course but you know i i like to get into the nitty-gritty of like you know how'd you ferment this what temperature was it at you know, what's your oxygenation? What kind of container is this in? How did you treat that yeast and bacteria before you added it? How did you bone this beer? All that kind of stuff. And there's no, like, how much did you make of this? Or where is it distributed? Or, you know, how long have you been in business? Kind of kind of stuff. Which, I again, I like that, too. But it, it's a good part of the, the homebrew shows, for Definitely. sure. And the beer, honestly, 
It's been just as good. Right. <laughs> it's a commercial quality it's great. beers. We, we really have not had a, a stinker on the show. So I, and I keep, I'm actually wanting to, I, I want to come across one so that we can actually like dissect what went wrong. And they just haven't really come up. That's yeah. why you hear me sort of fishing for what I can find that maybe is not quite perfect about it. And that's that. These brewers have left me in that position by brewing really outstanding beers, and it's a '96, and I'm trying to figure out the four percent that is not quite right, if that is even there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's great. People are really doing their their research. Uh, they're you know buying American sour beers. They're listening to the podcast. They're on Milk the Funk. They're buying great ingredients from places like the Wine and Hop Shop. At oneandhop.com, might as well do it now. <laughs> <laughs> They're carrying Omega and Giga yeast on, you know, that's on their website. They have a big selection of those I was looking at the other day. They have, like, a lot of their sour mixed cultures, their Brett strains, so definitely go check that out. Most of those items are going to ship within 24 hours, and best of all, you guys get a flat $8 shipping rate on orders under 50 pounds. Just enter BN Shipping in the notes field of the shopping cart, and the discount will be taken off after checkout. And just for Tasty, the Wine and Hop Shop. <laughs> Wineandhop.com. All right, but that's the one. We only use that once that's in the it. show. That's okay. it. too much on the last You're one. You're absolutely right. And you guys who have just listened to the last one know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, hey, thank you to everybody who um, supports uh, our sponsors here on the Brewing Network, including uh, Wine and Hop Shop and all the other great um, supporters of uh, this network and you who patronize them and use our coupon codes and uh, and, and all of the uh, good things to keep us on the air. That's what keeps shows like this coming to you. So thank you and keep it up. Yeah, and I, I won't go through my whole uh, opening spiel because I think we want to uh, shorten up the segment and get to a lot of the listener beers we have. But one thing that I've that I saw and forgot to mention that I've really enjoyed is you know I, I ask people to subscribe on iTunes. And, you know, leave us leave us feedback on the show. And I mentioned, uh, you know, that's been going really well. People are leaving a lot of five star reviews. And I don't I don't want to change that. I want people to continue to do that. But a couple I, we must have mentioned this like a few shows ago where we kind of provoked people to say bad things about the session <laughs> in our five star comments. Yeah. And a couple there's a couple of notes with it. And I love it. And so I want to I want to mention that again now. OK, let's make that a thing. Give us a five-star review, but then just make the entire review about how bad the session is. I think that's just going to go over. i got to go look at those. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's just a few vague references for now, but uh, <laughs> thank you, guys. I, <laughs> yeah. I personally really enjoyed that's that. Really the power fun. of the sour hour. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. But go it's ahead and listen one. to those other BN shows like Brew Strong, Dr. Homebrew, and Brewing with Style. Listen to your all the shows. content. All, all the shows. All the shows. Yeah. Moving along. <laughs> uh, let's get to maybe a question. Brought to us by SourBeerBlog.com. Dr. Lambic. Dr. Lambic. All of his exploits, beer reviews, and great articles on fast souring, tannins, esters, blending. Go check it out. If it Really, if you haven't, I mean, it's, he's really, I, I call them deep dives. They're really in-depth articles, but, you know, if you're serious, read through them because it's, it's awesome, awesome stuff. And honestly, he's a, he's a great asset for the sour beer brewing community. So go Visit his stuff, sourbeerblog.com. Indeed. Hey, uh, Beef, you, you hung out with Dr. Lambic at NHC, didn't you? What? I did. He's yeah. a very nice man. Oh, tell us tell us all about it. He was a very nice man. <laughs> okay, back to you. <laughs> all right. No, no. Uh, he was. I don't, I don't know a lot about his character. I got to meet him and his fiance, and they were both awesome. Yeah, his blending partner, right? Yeah. Kale? Yeah, Kale, <laughs> his intern. 
<laughs> did they have? Did they? Were they pouring their own beer there? They, at all? I, I will say that uh, their tent was one of the only tents at club night at NHC this year where I was, was any good impressed. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah, they were making great beer. Yeah. And he was like, here, try this. It's a Berliner Weiss. It's not that sour. You can yeah. drink it. Oh, did you have Tums in your pocket? It was sweet. I had a, a whole roll of Rolaids. Good for you. I nice. was ready to go. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Very nice. Thank yeah. you, Dr. Lambic, for treating Bevo with the respect she commands. Indeed. All right. So here is a question that Dr. Lambic is bringing you from Alex, who says, uh, in light of the recent research concerning the acclimation of yeast to a lower pH environment before using it to bottle conditioned beers, that was the uh, Dr. Matt Bachman show. Mm-hmm. Alex says, do you think there's any merit to do the same for dry yeast when used to ferment kettle soured beers? Just as you're yeah. thinking about that. Yeah, he says, my first Berliner took three days to get going. But with my recent Goza, I rehydrated the yeast, uh, which was a USO5, as normal, and then diluted the yeast solution 50% with some post-boil kettle-soured wort and let that sit for 20 minutes before pitching. He says the beer took off within 8 to 10 hours using this method. Is he on to something? My follow-up question, not that he's on the phone or anything, uh, <laughs> was going to be how long did he kind of, what I'll call it, temper how long did he temper the yeast? Because, and he says 20 minutes. I'm surprised it, it made that much of a difference in 20 minutes. I think that's absolutely a good technique. I think it's, uh, I was emailing with someone today about a high ABV beer as well. And that's, that I would recommend it for, you know, clean beer brewers um, trying to bottle condition, you know, an over 10% alcohol beer. Let's say they're going to use dry champagne yeast or something like that, or even liquid. Having this temper method, I think, makes a lot of sense when you're talking about conditioning because, you know, the yeast is it's just chilling. You know, it's it's dried. You know, it's been in this bag for a long time. It's just like, oh, am I going to be in this bag for the rest of my life or what's, <laughs> you know, what's up? And then you throw it in water and it's like, oh, whoa, whoa. Like, you know, it takes a while to get acclimated. So why not give it one more step in between to kind of, you know, not shock it as much? I think you're going to get a lot more healthy cells. Um it's great if, if 20 minutes is all you need. There is a yeast that we used at the brewery, and I won't remember what it is, but I'm pretty sure it's a dry yeast, and it recommended this method from the manufacturer, and it was like a much shorter time period. If you go back and listen to the Dr. Bachman show, he's recommending, I believe, more of like an overnight kind of thing. Right. And if you go back to our uh, last uh, pairing of episodes with uh, Chase from American Solera, he actually put uh, Dr. Bachman's theory it, he did test it but he put them into practice at american solera and he sent us two beers that he did that with and two beers that he didn't mm-hmm. and he was much more encouraged by the ones that he did that with and now he says that's just part of his standard yeah. operating right procedure. and you, you could taste it too i mean the effervescence difference was clear yeah absolutely so i, I would say uh yeah i i approve of this method um <laughs> and yeah i think it can be a challenge for for kettle sour beers you know i think Honestly, a lot of the off flavors, and I am not a kettle sour expert, but just thinking about the way that fermentation goes, no pun intended, because nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag dad jokes. Um, so the way that fermentation goes, I think there's two main areas that you got to worry about. One's the actual kettle souring, where you're allowing bacteria to grow in an environment without yeast, and it's at high temperature, easy to expose to uh, oxygen and let uh, aerobic yeast and bacteria flourish in a bad way. So I think that's a that's a point of um, a, a problem point. And then in the primary fermentation, if your Saccharomyces is struggling to ferment 
a beer that would normally crush because it's such a low pH environment, then that could be causing some of your uh, kettle sour off flavors. So if you use this method, maybe that would solve some or all of them. So I like that a lot. All right, moving along to a question from uh, Michael Waldron. Now, now, Jay, this one came in three minutes ago from Michael. So either Uh-oh. it's a coincidence and he just happened to be emailing us, mm-hmm. or he knows we're live and wants his question asked, but doesn't, you know, isn't sure. going to call. So now, uh, now I'm developing a theory on the fly here, okay, which great. is I That's think, always the best way to develop theories. Yeah, I know. Don't think them through. I think that... The homebrewer type, I mean, to make a, a sweeping generalization, and there's obviously exceptions, but overwhelmingly, and, especially, and given my own anecdotal experiences meeting homebrewers at various festivals and stuff over the years, you know, they seem to be sort of a, I played Magic the Gathering when I was younger, and I'm not necessarily super outgoing. Dungeons and, and Dragons. And I'm a D&D guy. Stranger Things. Shout out. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, the present company, I was never a homebrewer, and UJ are... An outgoing guy, so maybe you represent the exception. <laughs> Lane, you seem I'm to be sure somewhere, I don't know, right in the middle. I've known you for 10 seconds, but right. I don't know. Maybe it's just that the homebrewer guy is not the talk radio caller guy. It's, it's a different person. Oh, I see what you're getting you at. You see so what I'm saying? You're perplexed by the lack of callers. Well, given, right. Re- relative right. to the email Re- in yes. proximity to the show airing. Yes, and not just that, but given the amount that people clearly want to know, and they have a lot of questions, and sure. they this is still an as-of-yet unexplored, relatively, style of beer, Right. right. And, uh, I, yeah, I just... If you guys uh, call, it's like, it's guaranteed we're going to answer the question. Right there. Yeah, so. exactly. And so uh, <laughs> Michael's lucky in this case that I just happened to... This popped up and Hot I... And fresh out the kitchen. Yeah, just go... Anyway, I'm just floating that and I could completely be in a more, uh, an idiot and I'm wrong. I don't know. But that's my theory. Anyway, Michael I'll says... i you off here. <laughs> okay. Uh, he says, I have built up a, a collection of drags that I have split between my two 64-ounce growlers. They are currently um, budding with a light, dry malt extract budding is that a term i'm not familiar with keep reading I'm uh, think okay uh, i want to keep this culture alive for hopefully years to come what would uh best practices be for keeping these bugs alive how often should fresh wort be added what temperatures how often should i be brewing uh, to pitch the freshest possible version of the culture great big question i think the budding part is just growing okay um, you know fermenting being active Oh, big question. Where to start? Okay. First off, let me just say, I don't think you need to feed them as often as you think. Because if you go back and listen to Chad from Crooked Dave's session episode, and he talks about uh, how he keeps his brets at uh, Crooked Dave. He keeps them in a little, I think it's a, a type of liquid media. He keeps it at room temp, just on the lab table. And maybe things have changed since the very beginning of Crooked Dave, but he just props them up right there when he on demand. So it's just like left out, not really that high maintenance. Brett is going to be pretty happy chewing all sorts of weird stuff over a long period of time. I would keep it away from oxygen because if there's any acetobacter anywhere in there, which, you know, are you going to guarantee there's not one cell? of acetobacter probably not that's going to love getting exposed to oxygen so i think the more transfers you do in and out maybe that's not the best best thing so i'd say first off just kind of like cool cool your jets not that you're you know coming off so strong it's just you don't have to over manipulate this to to have it keep going well you know i would use it as you like and use it in beers and then when you're done just have some 
You can even just have canned wort. I mean, I'm a big fan of that. You just can up a bunch of wort just for a batch, and then um, you can just have this sterile sugar source to top off whenever you need and go forward like that. Temperature, room temp, I mean, not below 60 and not above 75 75 consistently. Um, Don't put it in the fridge unless you want to drop everything out of solution to cant off the fermentation liquid. Yeah, I mean... Not too crazy. I don't know, Lane, what do you think? Anything to add to that? Well, considering I brewed one and a half sour beers. <laughs> You're an expert. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if I'm qualified to uh, give that recommendation. But, um, yeah, I, I don't keep, uh, besides what's in my fermenter right now, doing the beer, that's the, um, and then I actually do have some slurry that's in the fridge. So that's all, you know, obviously consolidating, you know, down at the bottom. But sure. Right now, I'm just doing one vessel at a time, right? And that's what I got. So, yeah, not too much advice on that one. And also, is it the worst thing in the world if you lose this culture? You know, we've, we've talked about the benefits of using commercial breweries' dregs. And it's like, those are available all the time. Or another home brewer's dregs. Or they're, if you bottle your sour beer and you love it, and you just keep bottles, if you're not doing a weird bottle conditioning thing, you're just force carving it, culture's right there. You know, they're always kind of on hand. We like to say we have all these oak barrels at the Rare Barrel. I kind of joke that that's the, you know, one of the biggest wild yeast and bacteria libraries or labs in the world. Because that's, you look at those barrels, every beer is an inoculant. That's the versatility of a sour beer. Whereas you wouldn't say like, oh, I'm going to take a little bit of this IPA in a keg and put it into my next IPA, and it's going to make it really hoppy, right? That doesn't make any sense. But sour beer's like that, you know? Yeah. So I guess uh, my advice is don't worry, relax, and have a sour beer. It's too bad it doesn't work like that for uh, IPA, because then you could just pitch the little last bit of your Pliny the Elder bottle and just sure. create a perfect uh, hoppy beer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think if you have to start over with your culture, that isn't necessarily terrible i mean obviously for a commercial brewery that might be detrimental but for a home brewer maybe the second you know culture you you know get going is better than the first one yeah drive new flavors innovate experiment and don't think by the way that you're relaxed don't worry have a sour beer went over my head because that is a tagline on a sour hour (laughs) t-shirt actually kind of rebel against that phrase a little bit (laughs) i would like to worry quite a bit um but still yeah having beer helps with either scenario Break time? Yeah, and we're going to do lots more homebrewed sour beer. All from you guys. Thank you again for sending in uh, your beer. We love to try it, and we'll try some more right after this. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? The 21st Amendment. Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can. Featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Saka JP.
we're back. Doing listener beers on this show. It's been a lot of fun. Still got Lane in the house. We had our... Uh, we had his uh, listener beer in our uh, first segment. It's delicious. Thanks. Well done. A lot of first sour beers first sour so beer. far. Yeah. Um, I do not believe our next uh, homebrewer guest is a stranger to sour beer bring, but I could be wrong. Jamie, this isn't your first batches of stuff, is it? No. Uh, hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, good, man. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, no, I've been brewing for almost 21 years, but I've only been doing sours for eight of that. So I still feel, I still feel like I'm figuring out what things are going, how things are working, and what's going on with sour because it is, it is completely different from clean beers. Sounds like you're not very experienced. Oh, yeah, Can we move eight. on to the next person? <laughs> only eight. <laughs> only eight. <laughs> yeah, Jamie also sent us uh, six different. Uh, oh, what was this? Five? Oh no, two of them are doing so Four different styles. Two right? of two of three. Yeah, two each of three beers. For, what do you want us to start with? Well, um, I guess the first one is probably the sour grapes. Okay. And the best to, <laughs> to describe that one, I, I guess I'm going to tell you about a beer I didn't send you. Um, I was lucky enough to uh, get a gold medal in the National Homebrew Competition a few months ago. Mm, congrats. Right, dude. Nice congrats. job, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. It was for a mixed fermentation sour, and that was kind of crazy because that's a new style to the BJCP, and so they just kind of dumped it in with the specialty beer. So um, usually IPA is the largest category, one of the largest, and it's like 456 entries this year, and specialty beer was 810. So I kind of <laughs> I feel like I made a pretty good beer, but you have to get lucky when you're up against 800 some other people. That's so. unbelievable. Damn. Hey, uh, Jay, I want you to try and pronounce this is a handwritten label by Jamie. I want you to try and pronounce the type of grapes this is aged upon. Gewurst demeanor. Boom. Thank you for saying that because I, I struggle with it every time. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. I, I had made this. It was a barrel project with some uh, friends, and it was the the beer that won was the, uh, the Dreg Pirate Roberts, which is my, of <laughs> course, <laughs> you know where I'm pointing for that one, the Princess Bride. So, um, but that one, that that was a great beer, and it was four years old, two years in the barrel, two years in the bottle, mixture of uh, ECY, Dirty Dozen, and Bug Farm. And there was a guy in Brooklyn named Dimitri who went by the name BK Yeast and he had isolated some Cantillon Iris um, Brett and I used some of that in the original barrel with some, you know, La Roja, and to tell you how old this is, um, it actually had some La Folie dregs, and in order for that to be workable, <laughs> that was caged and corked old La Folie before they started pasteurizing. So, uh, kind of a storied history on that one, but um, when it came to the national competition, when it got to the last round, you have to turn in three bottles, and I only had two left. I messed up uh, the math on that one, so I sent in two, and that got me a gold, but it did not let me go to the best of show round, so um, um, I'm not saying that'll keep me up at night, but <laughs> it does. No, that's great. So, just to be clear, is that beer the drag? Pirate Roberts. Is that mm -hmm. different from the, the sour grapes? This is exactly the same beer. I split it in half. Oh. I have a friend uh, who has, who uh, worked at a local vineyard, and I put, uh, I believe it was eight pounds of those grapes on a five-gallon batch of the same beer. So you are getting the same beer. This one just happens to have grapes on top of it. Interesting. What do you think, it's, Well, it's got grape candy grape. It, almost like the... Um, 
the artificial grape, which I don't mean that as pejorative, just when you have grape-flavored candy, Mm -hmm. it doesn't taste like grapes. It tastes like grape candy, right? right? That's what this has, even though it was aged on real grapes. Mm -hmm. And there's no sweetness to this beer. There's a lot of complexity, and you can... Really, that's the it's a pronounced difference between the um, the kettle sour ginger beer that we had from Roger on the previous episode, which was great, but it it just as we've discussed, just doesn't quite have the. It's hard to even I don't know I can't really put my finger on Je why. Ne sais quoi. Yeah, this the, right it, it I think is what they call it in Hollywood. This has it. <laughs> um, it's yeah, it's uh, it's got great acidity and incredible complexity, and you can taste the barrel, you can taste the grape candy. Um, this is an incredible beer. Thank you. I appreciate that. How, how did you uh, process those grapes, or how did that? How did you incorporate them into the fermentation? Yeah, there was nothing special going on there. He uh, gave me the grapes, and actually, I didn't know what to do with them. I, I put them in the freezer because I wanted to, you know, break down the cell walls and so forth. But I didn't use them for a few months because I, uh, someone else, uh, he had used them as well on a uh, an IPA or something like that, and he said it came out very sweet. And so I was trying to figure out what to do with it. And I thought, hey, this is a, you know, we're pulling out of the barrel. Um, this would be interesting because it would take away some of the sweetness and and do something interesting there. So, you know, I took them out of the freezer. Or, um, mashed them up in the bag a little bit, then put it in the carboy and racked on top of it. Awesome. Lane, what do you think about this beer? Yeah, I think this is great. So like I said in the last episode, I drink a lot of natural wine, which might not be a thing that people know about, but like That's I said... delicious. It's a lot like... I've, I yeah. found it to be a lot like sour beer, actually. <laughs> yeah, it I'm does. Not, I'm not joking. No, anyway. Yeah, I, I detected a little lisp there, like you were joking around, like you had a no, sweater no, tied no. around your neck. No? No, no. You're I'm, just a little I'm, drunk? Yeah, it, and I think with the grapes, if you were to tell me, you know, just give this to me, you know, without telling me anything, I'd be like, very much like white natural wine. Yeah. And, and obviously, you know, the grapes are playing a role in that. But I also have a question. Jamie, are you from Charlottesville, Virginia? Exactly. Yep. Okay. So I lived there for two years. I think we have a mutual friend and oh, Matt no Monson. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, so, hey, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We've met Matt at NHC before. Yeah. yeah. Hey, congrats on the gold medal. Thank you. Yeah, he was sitting right beside me at the table at the uh, at the dinner and the award ceremony. That's Great. pretty awesome. That's pretty gross. Wow, yeah. man. Good, good, uh, yeah, so good pickup there. Yeah, so I was competing against them. However, um, like I was saying <laughs> off the air, I uh, failed to send in the correct beer for the final round and I ended up accidentally sending in my brown porter instead of my brown sour. <laughs> so um, you still probably would have won anyways because this beer is outstanding. I appreciate that. Did you get any judges comments back? Like not sour enough. Yeah, it was like 23, you know, was the score and it was like we were expecting something different. Yeah. <laughs> and I checked my inventory and I was like, oh, yeah. Well, at least it wasn't a 23, you know, got a 23 for, you know, what it was actually supposed to be. That's funny. So don't worry about only having two bottles to send out of three. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, at least I, I got those two right, I suppose. So I'm sorry to hear that, man. <laughs> oh, completely my fault. Well, let's, uh, let's see. That, that yeah. was a great beer to start off Indeed. with. What, uh, what else do we have or what, what should be next? Right, I, I think I guess the, probably the next one would be the uh, the the peach one, which doesn't really have a name. Um, it's uh, peach lambic of sorts, or it's apricots and peaches. Yeah. Yep. All right. Now this so, is this is labeled uh, TBN. So is this, you, was this bottle just for us, uh, Jamie? 
to be named is oh, yeah. TBN. So. It's not a private label. No. If you guys, if you guys come up with a name during this, uh, actually, that's a terrible idea. I'm not going to let you name. <laughs> oh this. no, please, no, we're going to. <laughs> okay, that'll be the game. So, um, so the the thing, and and Jay might find this horrifying, but I call this the uh, the not quite as rare barrel because uh, it's been a, it. kind of a club project, and and I've. I mean, it's just produced amazing beers, and all the beers that I've given that, that I sent you were from the same barrel. So the first one was a grape, and this last one was the, our latest pool. And I uh, we're we're kind of turning it into a Solero barrel at this point. But um, it's for me, it's it's won 17 uh, medals in various uh, competitions, and it's advanced to the final round of uh, NHC twice and got a gold one time. So it's it's. It's a really rare barrel for us. Nice. So. And is is the process pretty similar on on this beer as opposed to the uh, sour grapes? Yeah, yeah. It's the same thing. Um, the funny thing is, is uh, uh, I have to keep up and keep the microbes in there. That's you know a conversation I had with uh, Jeff Mello from Bootleg a long time ago. Is you know you have to keep adding the microorganism there because if you if you're streaking out the plates of what comes out of the barrel, it's not exactly as diverse as what you put into it because there's some Darwinism and there's some survival of the fittest going on. So even though you have a fantastic barrel, next time you put stuff in there, you still have to keep the diversity of microbes and so forth in there. You have to keep adding. To it so you know we keep we keep playing with that the interesting one with this is these last two beers were pulled out of the barrel and i split in half and i put tart cherries on one and i put apricots and some peaches on this one and i racked them in there and it just did nothing for a couple days and it occurred to me that the brett's probably shot so i had to actually i built up a, a culture of the bootleg the funk weapon too and added that one because i guess the brett was just you know exhausted after a couple years in the barrel and once i did that it started fermenting again but it made me really nervous for a couple days when nothing was going on that i racked it on all those you know simple sugars yeah i think that's a a a great data point for you and and something that we're running into at the the more rare barrel, if you will. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) (laughs) the real the actual rare barrel put a tm after that rare rest (laughs) yeah so where you you know you're adding fruit and uh, either uh, a lag in fermentation or maybe even to an extreme extent some off flavors happen when you're fruiting this beer that is an acidic environment and the yeast has been in there for a long time it's flocked out it's old and i think um you know going into those uh, situations to have a fresh brett culture or just younger beer to kind of blend in and help with that re-fermentation. I think, you know, it kind of goes back to our discussion on tempering bottle conditioning yeast as well. Sour beer, there's a lot of focus on bacteria, obviously, but got to make sure that the environment is hospitable for yeast to do what it needs to do. So um, that's something that we're, we're still trying to balance at the rare barrel with some of our current projects. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad to hear that the Brett edition pulled through and uh, was able to ferment out the fruit. Did, uh, I think it was called, what, Funk Weapon 2? Did that yeah. add a discernible... That's a bootleg biology one. Um, it's Funk Weapon 2, and it's a it's a, it's a just single Brett strain. But um, one thing I did notice is by adding that, I think I got a lot more Brett character on these last mm-hmm. two beers than I did with the original ones. Just, I don't know if it was... You know the late edition or what, but it's a little more the, a little more funk, a little more leather, a little more something bread. Okay, and 
how long did it go through the from the beginning of the fruit refermentation with this bread until uh, it was packaged? That wasn't long at all. Um, it's amazing that I do sour beer since I'm not really all that patient. But <laughs> somehow, somehow I, I just put them in a closet and try to forget about them. But I, I think the refermentation of this only took about a month. And then I packaged a few weeks after that, after it got stable. Nice. I don't know how much time we have left, but we still have one more beer, right? We do. And I, (laughs) yeah, when, while I'm pouring it, uh, Jamie, I wonder what you did. I mean, you've been brewing sour beers for, for so many years. What were some of the things that went wrong in the early years? Um, always too much oxygen. Um, with these, I don't know if I'm getting as much fruit character as I want. I find that I have to really go to the extreme, um, and add a lot more fruit than I expect. You know, I've had a strawberry lambic that I thought was great, but I put 10 pounds of strawberries on like two and a half gallons. So I find that I have to add a lot more, but, um, the barrel has been great just because it's a very controlled, um, micro oxidation, you know, it's slowly getting into the barrel. And, and in the last show you had uh, mentioned, Jay, I think that you thought it was, you know, a long term, a bad idea to be in a bourbon barrel. And this one is a bourbon barrel that we got, you know, from a brewery immediately put Imperial Porter on there and it's tasted great for six months and then went sour and then it became our sour barrel but somehow it's done well for us over the last six months and i've i've been lucky enough to do some uh work with some local breweries and those are all wine barrels and i um i'm more optimistic about their long-term ability to produce great stuff and is this a full-size bourbon barrel yeah, yeah, it's like uh, the fifty-five gallon, I believe. And I think you got a better shot with that because I mean, the, I think the previous emailer was it was an eight-gallon uh, bourbon barrel, uh, which is, I mean, those dimensions are kind of rough, even in a wine barrel. So uh, letting in oxygen at that level is is a little bit tough. But yeah, I, no, no, uh, I, I could not detect any uh, bourbon or char in any of these beers. So no. you had the the initial clean beer that you guys did was a good idea and i'm glad that that uh you know we've <laughs> we've advised a few people to do that so it seems like it's uh it's a good way to go yeah i think that barrel wanted to be sour and i think we were just you know <laughs> there to sherpa it in the right direction so um the last beer is the same um pool as the uh, previous um t- it's called it's a it's a, a cherry creek so of course it's called up on cripple creek <laughs> sorry for the pun uh no we love them <laughs> so um, uh, tart cherry, I actually use tart cherry juice. I'm big on uh, fresh fruit, but I decided with this one I was going to experiment some and step outside and uh, use some uh, fruit juice. And next time I'll be using a puree, probably by one of your wonderful sponsors, So uh, and see how that works. Yeah, I, the tart cherry from Oregon fruit is is very good. They also have a sweet cherry. I'm not launching into the... <laughs> fruit for brewing.com. <laughs> yeah, informational, but um, the sweet cherry has a total Totally different character too, where it's a lot higher in um, sugar content. Maybe that's obvious, but really different character, and it's kind of just what what you're trying to go for in a beer. But I'm actually, yeah. I'm surprised this was aged on tart cherries, actually, and maybe it's just because um, the beer that I just had this after was, you know, we're just drinking the uh, the apricot uh, TBN beer, and this this creek is significantly less acidic. To this man's palate, you I don't think know. so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't get that, man. I, I got like a really big difference. You think this is less? Much, acidic? much less so. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure I would agree with that. Is that wow? That's amazing. It's one of those things where it's like, wow, are we, are we tasting the same beer? What do you think, Jamie? That's a that's an interesting question. Um, when I tried the apricot, 
I'd get the acidity, but it's also kind of fruity at the end. Whereas, um, I don't know, part of me wants to say the dilution might affect it, but I don't think so. I'm getting a pretty good acidity with this one. Oh, I yeah. am too. Yeah, I don't. I don't mean to say it's not. It's got a great level yeah. of acidity and great cherry flavor. But less it. so. Yeah. But less so. Yeah, yeah. Especially just it really becomes pronounced when you just kind of have them back to back, like I just did. Mm. But but hey, that's this man's palate. So I don't did know. you agree with Scott there or me? <laughs> uh, it, it matters. I'd like to go. I'd like to check, check the rest of the panel. There's one more out yeah. there. Yeah, Lane. What do you Lane, what's the time? I, I think it's <laughs> about the same. I, I didn't <laughs> notice a significant difference. Wow. When I first tasted it. Wow. But Jamie, were you using 100% cherry juice, or what sort of juice were you were you using? Was it um, you know that have some. Uh, simple sugars in there, or was it just straight-up juice? Just straight-up juice. It nice. was uh, Knudsen. I think it was probably about 64 ounces for maybe a five-gallon batch. My, that's so, mind-blowing. Yeah, it's just to show you the uh, the difference, really, like from palate to palate. And I, lest I let a show go by without an art analogy, sometimes I'm like at a uh, you know like a, a contemporary art museum with my kid brother who owns an art gallery, and he's very into that world. And you know we're standing there like looking at a huge blank white canvas with like one black streak down the middle, and he's like attempting to explain to me why it's great. And I'm like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Like, are we looking at the same canvas? Like, r- what is w- what are you seeing here? So I'm know it's it's crazy to have such a pronounced difference in the acidity level on my palate and then sit in front of two experienced guys who are telling me no no i get this i get basically the same level of acidity that's unbelievable yeah <laughs> believe it <laughs> yeah, yeah it's the perceived acidity i guess wow. mm-hmm. yeah i think stone fruit to me also like just my palate mutes acidity a little bit a little less apricot than peach but peach really kind of can mellow mellow some beers out one thing i, I did want to mention uh on this beer, just uh, I'll put on my my critics hat. I get a touch of diacetyl in this beer, hmm. but it's I, I've mentioned before. I it, of the things that I'm good and bad at. I mean, you could say good, but it's just it's it's for me above my threshold. But I have noticed that beers and it's so it's. But I should say it's very low. And beers that I find it in that I say, okay, this is very low, I'll have other people taste, and I can't find anyone to agree with me, basically. Man, that's a, I actually don't get it. No. Yeah, no, I, I, that's not unusual. And I'm not saying this – it's not – I can almost guarantee this is not an off flavor. It's just – and it maybe, I'm, maybe I'm just bringing this up as a good example of, you know, there are people who have all these different things. Like I've said before, too, I, I'm terrible at getting oxidation. In beers, which is not a great thing for a sour beer producer. <laughs> so I have to rely on other people for that. But um, I can get, I, th- I really feel like I can get uh, diacetyl at pretty low level. So I would put this at a pretty low level, but it is it is something that I that I did observe with this beer. Did you get that at all with the peach or the apricot one? Nope. No real off flavors with either of the other ones. I, and I should say all three beers are good. And I'm not just saying this, like this beer is still good to me. Like I see no, I all the good qualities of it. It, it almost bothers me more because it's like, why do I have to, like, you know, I, I guarantee, I, I know right away when I taste it, I'm like, oh, this is really faint. I know no one else is going to comment on this, but it's just, it, it mars what, el- what otherwise is a terrific beer. Right. F- just for me. Right. J- but just so you guys a know. Great, a great burden to J- hold. Yeah. J- Jay has a really <laughs> hot girlfriend, but all he notices is like the mole on her left butt cheek. He can't get, <laughs> he can't get over it. That's a terrible analogy. <laughs> uh, what were you going to ask? And that? also untrue, I should say. <laughs> I was going to ask Jamie if he did have 
pediococcus and his uh, culture. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, this thing was rotten with it. Um, I believe there are a few strains that are in the ECY bug farm, but also all the dregs that we put in there, like I said, from Jolly Pumpkin to Lawfully to... I don't even remember what some of the recent ones, maybe some Canteon in there. They should have a pretty strong amount of uh, pediococcus in there. Nice. Yeah, I wasn't necessarily picking up on the, the acetal, but yeah, if the pedo's in there, you definitely could be there, right? it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And one thing that we're kind of getting into at the rare barrel is, you know, at the point of fruiting, I think there's a critical moment that happens that, you know, you can have a beer that does not have diacetyl in it or maybe in even another off flavor. And then you fruit, so you introduce sugar, but the the yeast, and we just talked about this, but the yeast especially are just not in their preferred environment. So they've already fermented the sour beer. They've done their hard work. They think they're done. Hey, you know, done for the day. This is a great sour beer. Package this and, you know, let me retire in peace. But no, then we come in and we add all this fruit. And so we're adding more acid and more sugars for them to ferment. But they're done. They thought they were going to retire, you know? So it's like they all these, uh, you know, diastole acetaldehyde that's being produced and maybe they're not like, you know, they're resentful. They're not reuptaking <laughs> it quite as fast. And so, you know, I'm, I'm very intrigued with like your process with the apricot peach beer. I wonder if let's say that fermentation continued not to take off and you didn't add the, uh, the, the bootleg, uh, Brett. And mm-hmm. I wonder if that, would have produced a little bit of diastole because the pediococcus was taking over and producing a lot on its own and the the brett wasn't able to kind of in tandem clean that up it's just, i'm just bringing this up as no, something that I'd we're be, looking I'd be into. curious to see if the uh the cherry the creek beer um you know would clean up a little bit more after a couple more months if i hadn't you know bottled it when i had and is this something uh, you're storing in a keg or you're storing in bottles at cellar temp? Or? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, my embarrassing uh, uh, thing that I have to admit to is I've been brewing for 21 years and I've only kegged maybe twice in my life. That both is, for I like club night for national homebrew. Club for punishment. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, so I've been bottling kind of badass. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that's that's my process to keep them in uh, carboys as little space as possible. But, you know, the, the best that I've um, had is coming out of that barrel with that controlled process. Just going to get more beer just to sponsor. Yeah, his, seriously. His <laughs> Single-handedly system. keeping their bottling section in business. Absolutely. Yeah. Jamie also is a, uh, loves to run marathons, but uh, he's only ever done so with shoes on twice. <laughs> or with, the, with those shoes with the toes in them, uh, vibram ones. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, uh, Jamie, these all came out great. It's obvious yeah, great uh, job. why you are a gold medal winning brewer. These are great. Thank you. And I, and I, I love the show, guys. And I'm really looking forward to what my beers are going to be like in the future because I've just recently become part of Milk the Funk and I've been listening to Sour Hour. But everything you tried has been kind of, you know, I feel like a football coach who's still got the players from the last coach. You know, I'm really curious to see what my peers <laughs> like in the future because I've learned so much and I'm wondering, you know, what's, what's that huge step forward? But, I mean, I love what you guys do and I'm curious to see how it's elevating my game. And, I, you know, I know a lot more and I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate your crossover sour beer and sports reference. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, and when the goes fr- to art, I go to sports. Yeah, right? exactly. When the, uh, when the fruits of that second labor uh, come to fruition um, – um, yeah, send in more, please. We, we'll Absolutely. Awesome. I definitely will. Thank cool. you, guys. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks, Jamie. For sending in all uh, these beers. Enjoy Seville. 
<laughs> and uh, yeah, thanks for joining the show, Jamie. Um, uh, by the way, before we go to a break and get to uh, our last homebrewer of the night, uh, Michael Waldron did send in a response. So as I, as I suspected, he is a live listener. And he he said, did not call in. He said, uh, though I do love to roll 20-sided dice, the reason I wasn't able to call to ask my question is because I'm trying to calm a colicky newborn baby, and I can't predict whether or not she will be screaming at any given moment. Thanks for the response. Love the show. And let me just say, yeah. let me just say, if anybody is, is worried about background noise, like screaming babies or pissed-off girlfriends, they, do not not only do not let that be a deterrent that's good radio so please yeah but please. i mean it's impossible to call with a baby in one hand and the 20 sided die in the other that's true you know? i guess you need to be an octopus to have another hand to pick up the phone i suppose absolutely yeah all right break and then uh last segment sounds good to me all right we'll be right back on the sour hour Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanisha, and I love a bold, hoppy beer, one that spits resin in your face and makes you cry, Uncle. There are a lot of great hoppy beers out there, but at Heretic, we want to make something as bold, dank, and resiny as possible. We use hops at every chance we get, including multiple dry hop additions. The result is Heretic Evil Cousin. This light golden, 8% Imperial IPA has an easy malt character that helps take the edge off the massive bittering but it takes a back seat to the in-your-face hop character. We make sure this beer finishes dry so the hops can jump out and slam me in the taste buds. If you can't get enough hoppy goodness, Evil Cousin is your cup of tea. Cheers. What's up? This is Blake from Creature Comforts. You're listening to The Sour Hour on the Brewing Network. All right. We are back. Listener Beer Show, Sour Hour on the Brewing Network. Uh, I mentioned one of our great sponsors last segment, but I want to give them the full plug. Oregon Fruit Products. OFP. Yeah. Oh, wow. Nice. <laughs> That's their you rapper down? name. <laughs> uh, yeah, they make great aseptic fruit purees that are easy to use, convenient to store, and consistent year-round. They have no additives, no artificial flavors, and they're just a great expression of the raw fruit. Uh, visit them at fruitforbrewing.com. We use them at the Rare Barrel. Recommend their stuff. They've got some some new ones out. They have uh, pineapple, mango. I think they sold out of uh, mango, but it should be coming back soon. Uh, I, re- I recommend the raspberry. It's really good. Uh, raspberry and apricot, you know, what have we said before? Just no-brainer and sour beer. Yep. So uh, go visit them. Fruitforbrewing.com. They bring fruit to, to life. life. That was nice. That was great. Yeah. OFP. All right. We're going to do some more uh, listener beer, right? Yeah, let's do I it. see a lot of bottles out there, Scott. Eric. Hey. What's happening, brother? Uh, not much. Thanks for joining us, man. Where, where are you calling from? Uh, North Dakota. Nice. Maybe our first, uh, definitely our first call from North Dakota. Right. I would say so. Uh, so in keeping with the rest of the uh, brewers on tonight's show, where are you at in your sour brew brewing career? Uh, well, I've, I've only been brewing for about two and a half years, and uh, I initially wanted to start brewing to do sour beers, but of course you can't just jump right in. So uh, I did my first sour probably about three months into my brewing career, so about two years, two and, two and a quarter doing sours. Awesome. And it looks like, uh, so Scott has brought in some, some various size bottles into the uh, studio here. Are, what are we looking at? Are there many different beers? What should we start with? What do you think? Yeah, I got uh, four different ones. I think maybe the first one 
Maybe the one with the B for the cap? B on the cap. What? A B. A, it's either a, a drawing of a B or the letter B. I don't know which one. I gotcha. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So what's, what's this beer about? Um, so that one is probably... Of the ones I sent you, probably my least favorite, but it kind of has maybe the coolest story. <laughs> okay. um, no, actually, this very Eric is a smart man because if we start with the best one and it's all downhill, yeah. you work up to the mm-hmm. good stuff. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that that is actually my third sour, and it was originally supposed to be kind of a clone-ish of uh, Surly Pentagram. If you've heard of that, I am, and, have you ever had that beer? I don't think I've I, ever had Surly not. Pentagram before. Oh, it's it's very good and. Um, so it's uh, kind of a darker sour, and it it says on the bottle that it's all Britannomyces. And um, even though it's quite sour, it's it's a straight Brett beer. So um, back at the time when it was Brett Trois, um, which is now Sac, um, I used entirely that, and it was not doing what I wanted it to do. So um, actually met Mike Tonsmeyer at uh, there was a yeah. competition called Hoppy Halloween in Fargo and he was the speaker and uh, I asked him a question you know what can I do it's not not doing what I want and so I actually added just um, a straight mixture of some dissolved maltodextrin and then a bunch of dregs on top of that started to kind of get funky do what I liked and then uh, I finished it off with some blackberries okay Eric I've got some bad news for you I like this beer a lot <laughs> okay. this is straight crushable yeah dangerously crushable <laughs> Oh, that's see, it's uh, it's about eight and a half, maybe nine oh, percent. Yeah, Ooh, he's got nine percent written on the label. That this I'm is not getting that at all. Uh, me neither. No, this is dangerous. No, this is great. no heat. If we harken back to a few shows ago, uh, Wicked Weed had their, I think, I believe it's uh, Dark Angel, mm-hmm. and that was a, a fairly high ABV sour beer. This one's got a little more funk going on in it, but. Just as good. It's, as that it's beer. very like good. No, no heat at all. It's just it's got a different character though. Like this is, um, I maybe I'm wrong again on the acidity, but I don't get a lot of acidity out of this beer. I get a lot of Brett forwardness. Yeah. I mean, you know, per per Eric's description. Um, but if I can predict Jay's uh, hand scrawled note, not a sour beer. Like I mean, if this was a commercial beer and you were labeling, you know, per our like, what is a sour beer discussion? Oh no, no, it is. It, I think. Uh Speaking for Eric for a moment, but uh, <laughs> I think he, he made it as a, a Brett beer. wasn't doing what he wanted it to. And then he added uh, dregs, which almost certainly included uh, bacteria. Does that sound right, Eric? Yeah. And, you know, like I said, it was kind of supposed to be based on the Surly Pentagram, which seemed itself a lot more sour than just a Brett beer. Um, so that's kind of what I was shooting for, even though it wasn't necessarily getting there. Gotcha. Yeah, well, and it doesn't just it doesn't just taste like a Brett like a Brett saison or a Brett whatever. No, no, it, it's definitely got some assertive sour beer qualities to it. Um, I, I, what am I, I guess I'm commenting on like the. It definitely finishes like a Brett beer. To yeah, me. With, that's with it. Like a little that very dry, you know, puckery. Maybe a little. I mean, I, I perceive a lot of Brett beers finishing with like almost a little bit of like tannins, right? But mm-hmm. I get that from this, and you know, it's. It's great. And then just with like a mild acidity in there really goes well. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we're, and it's something that uh, a lot of the sour beer brewers are working on, which is terminology of how to describe different sour beers versus, you know, bread only beers and all this stuff. And, and describing the production methods, some of that Walt hit on pretty hard when he was on the show. But, um, you know, I definitely think, you know, you can have a beer that you want to describe as, hey, you know what, this has a lot of Brett aromatics to it. Um, but maybe it's got it's got an acidity, 
but that's not the star right. player. Right. Exactly. It's, it's a part of the beer. Maybe you wouldn't come out and say, oh, this is a barrel-aged sour beer, even if you age it in an oak barrel, maybe. So I know Chester King does beers like this. I know Charlie Pumpkin does some beers like this. I know Wicked Weed does some beers like this, where by by all accounts, you could probably just call it a full-on barrel-aged sour beer. But it's it's a shorter turnaround. It's more Brett-driven. Acidity is, you know an actor on the stage but it's not the star so uh, Mm -hmm. i would i would put this beer in that category it's maybe got a little more acidity than some of those but with the the darker malts it's got quite a bit going on it's very complex and yeah if this is the if this is the bad beer then uh, seriously i'm excited i'm looking forward to the next one yeah expectations are are high now eric oh yeah great yeah Yeah, you you messed that up well and uh and and just to sort of if i can sort of hone in on a on a running theme for uh this show and and last show it's the uh sort of lack of off flavors or the the uh, borderline imperceptibility of off flavors and just sort of hearkening back to my and what i'm sure is your lane and jay's experience with sour homebrewed beers in the past, uh, it's very, very obvious, like dominating off flavors, like that nail polish remover or, you know, extreme oxidation or extreme sort of diacetyl buttery. And um, it was really difficult to find a homebrew sour beer that didn't just have one of those things or multiple of those of those things in spades, right? And that's what I think you guys are really starting to accomplish now is minimizing or eliminating those things. And that that's what I'm getting. That's the theme of, of these beers for, for me so far. I would echo that. I think all the beers you guys have sent us have been fantastic. It's almost... Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure how this is going to play out there. I don't know if this makes for kind of a more boring show. It's like, you know, we're not getting... Their beers are so good that it's like we can't dig into... I mean, I'm kind of theorizing about, oh, maybe there's this off flavor, so now I'm going to talk about this off flavor for two minutes kind of thing. But the quality of beer is... I I, I have had better beer from homebrewers on on this show than I've had from commercial brewers out and about. Like we've obviously been lucky to have great commercial brewers on the show, so it's like those those beers are outstanding. But if I'm just going to random breweries, you know, around town or out of town, whatever, and I'm having their beers, I'd say it's a higher miss rate from the general population of commercial breweries than the home brewers who have sent us beers on this show. And I hope. Yeah. I don't know. That was maybe a little convoluted, but it, I, I'm trying to say. You know, you guys, what you guys are doing is is awesome, and it's it's up there with everyone else. So, really good beers. I mean, I think it's a testament to the amount of good information coming out of this show. You know, and just the amount of information out there, whether it's Milk the Funk or American Sour, you know, ales. It's just like there's so much good information out there. And I think you're also selecting into the people that listen to the show and send beers in. That's true. Or paying attention to that stuff. Self-selecting audience, right? yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if you go out there and maybe sample the wine. NHC? Yeah, NHC. <laughs> you might find some other things. But uh, Bevo would disagree. I think it's the people who care and listen <laughs> to the show attention. are going to make good beer because they pay attention to what's, you know, the information that's out there and the knowledge that's out there. Yeah. Well, I think that's true. And I and that's uh, the reason I brought it up is that I don't want these shows to be boring and just a lot of smoke blowing. The whole reason I bring it up is because I, I want everybody to pay attention to what the processes of brewers like Eric and Jamie and Lane and uh, and Roger are that are achieving these lack of off flavors. That, that's the whole mm-hmm. point. Um, so I, anyway, I just want to hone in on that, on what it is about their, their processes that's, uh, that's, that's eliminating or nearly eliminating these things. Okay, so what next, Eric? I think maybe the, the big corked and caged bottle. All right. All right. Oh, now this, is this Grog oh, Tag on wow. here? 
Yeah, that's a grog. All right, yep. Eric's got a beautiful uh, grog Eric's tag ales. on here. Is that a accurate picture of you on the front? <laughs> uh, used to be. I, I shaved my beard about uh, three months ago. It's growing back, but uh, Let's, hey, beef, beef, put my camera on, will you? I want to show uh, people oh, the I can, uh, I can label, label it here if you want. And I better, uh, I better do a shout out while we're talking about that. That was uh, that label was designed by a good friend of mine, uh, Brandy. We traded her graphic design for some beer in exchange. So uh, thanks to her. Excellent. Cool. Yeah, no, and thanks to Grog Tag, a great sponsor of the Brewing Network. They make uh, beautiful beer labels. Uh, or you, you make them, and Grog Tag makes them for your bottles. Or Brandy does. Or Brandy does, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, they work great. So what is this beer? Uh, so that is a beer that I brewed for um, kind of that Hoppy Halloween competition I was telling you about. Uh, met Mike Tonsmeyer there, like I said. And uh, so that was for, they have a Halloween-themed beer. Uh, it's like a kind of open category as long as you make it. Halloween themed, and so I called that one Bready Kruger. So it's like a Brett Saison. <laughs> Is it just a name that needs to be Halloween themed? Uh, um, no, I actually I had a, I put a big bottle um, that uh, my cousin does art, and she built a big like rubberized arm of Freddy Krueger like busting out of like this hay bale, um, and so I had the bottle like concealed in there and all that. It was oh, kind of nice. cool. So. That's how you presented the beer. How did you make the beer? Uh, made the beer. That is with the Y Yeast Saison Brett blend. Uh, otherwise, it was just um, pills and a little bit of uh, Cara 20. Uh, pretty simple. So tell me, tell me. so the fermentation is the y, y Yeast Saison Brett blend? Yep. It's, uh, it's a limited release that they do. Uh, I think it's like June through September or something like that. But... Uh, I got a fresh batch that I'm going to try and do another iteration of that here one of these days. Uh, that's actually the, the bottle that you guys have is my last one, so not able to share that one with you guys like those other ones. So just to be clear about your process, is there is there bacteria in this beer, or is there a long – did you age this out? So, I, you know, I've tried to do a little bit of research, and I, I might be wrong here. I might be just looking in the wrong place, but uh, – I believe that it's a blend of a, one strain of Saison, I'm not sure which, and then one strain of Brett. And, uh, again, I'm not sure which strain, but I think it's just one sack, one Brett. Okay, gotcha. So this, uh, Scott, you were just talking about, you know, what's what's a sour beer and what's not. Right. To me, I would put this in the category of a, a non-sour beer. Yeah. But, so this is, all right, in the history of the show, I would say we've gotten two beers that i personally wouldn't classify as sour beers and there's two just just two what was the other one uh another brett only brett uh and saccharomyces beer but i love this beer i think this beer is awesome let's not confuse not not in the category of sour beer per hour i'm sorry i'm I'm gonna i'm actually gonna interrupt what i was about to say after is can you give me more like I'm not. I oh, need more yeah, of the beer. Like I, this yeah, is yeah. really, really oh, good. I, I am actually pouring Jay seconds. Yeah, I, I know Jay doesn't yeah. do fill refills. up the That's glass. Great. He says, "Oh, hey, this Eric, is a terrific. You beer. should be uh, very. Oh, and Lane wants some more too. Lane, you, you should you, be stoked. You, Eric, you agree, obviously. Because, I'm glad it's uh, a big bottle. Jay so, just, we'll yeah. save some for the staff of wherever we are. So, I'm not a huge saison fan as a general beer style, but this is the the balance between the Brett. And the sack, and you know what you typically get out of a sack only saison. The the Brett definitely adds a lot of complexity 
nice and dry, but still, you know, isn't, you know, overly, you know, isn't overly dry. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's outstanding. Yeah, and I, I got to jump back in. It, I, I, I don't know what the hopping rate is on this beer, but I would say if it was hopped at a slightly higher rate and aged out a little bit more, dead ringer for Orval. Yeah, Seriously. very Orval. Yeah. Yep, it's it's really sort beautiful. of effervescent. Yep. Beautiful. I, and I was thinking about buying some Orval for my way home. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe I have to scratch that itch now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's what I was what I was saying here, because I don't want, or, or everybody, I don't want the, it's not a sour beer per what we think a sour beer is categorized as, to me, not good. But oh, no. on the contrary, oh, no. <laughs> both both of the beers Jay brought up and, and every, oh, God, almost every beer, whatever the category is we've had on the show, has, has really been excellent, including this beer. And yes, uh, Eric, Jay did take a full, a full four-ounce uh, glass full of the, the beer just now, and it does not happen very That's often. Like, uh, when, awesome. When I think about Saison Brett beers, I kind of think of Logston, Saison Bretta, mm-hmm. right? The, Boulevard. Yeah. Yeah. This definitely, definitely is right up there. With oh, it's that. way, uh, it's, yeah. it's, I might even prefer it. It's, it's excellent. This, is this a beer you, uh, <laughs> you said earlier, I think that this is the last bottle you have, right? Yep. Oh, thanks for sending it in, man. That's really man. cool. Sorry to all the judges that would have seen this at NHC. Well, you know that. So that's funny. I uh, so the second to last and third to last bottles got sent in uh, oh. to NHC, and it's it scored pretty well. I didn't move on, but uh, the no, the remarks that I got back was that there wasn't enough saison left, and you know it had been oh. bottled for maybe nine or ten months by then, and you know it is pretty Brett forward. But I was hoping with the new. BJCP guidelines with the Brett beer category, it might help. But again, it got kind of lumped in uh, with specialty. So, boy, I just I, I just have to say, his I head. completely disagree. It's not like I'm a judge. I'm not a certified judge or anything like that. You are a judge. I, I'm very this judgmental. Your, this is your form, baby. <laughs> yeah, no, no one can stop me now. <laughs> That's right from judging. But uh, uh, just yeah, this is a terrific beer. Honestly, now here here might be a little bit of a silly question. I have no idea. If you were to take this beer and you wanted to make it more sort of give it some acidity, yeah. t- what would you do with this? That's a good question. I mean, this is what we're actually trying to do a lot now at the Rare Barrel. We bring a lot of Saison, a lot of Brett additions, and I'll probably try to steal your methods, Eric, because <laughs> this <laughs> is kind of, kind of what we want to do. It's basically get a beer like this and then we use our huge stock of sour beer. And find one that matches. You know, some of the beers we tasted tonight kind of remind me of something I'd like to layer into something like this. Like the uh, the Crooked Stave Dreg beer had that, like, lemony Pez kind of thing, which I think that mouthfeel would go well with this. The drying, but a little citrus pop in the background. That lemon to uh, just, you know, keep it drinking easy. And I think this, this crossroads of Saison, Brett, and Sour Beer... In a lightly tart, effervescent, highly aromatic arena is a style that I think American sour beer producers are driving hard towards and really pioneering. And not to compare it to like uh, Lambic or Goose, but it's almost like, you know, that could be our thing. You know, that's something where a lot of American professional brewers and home brewers are doing this very well. And I see a lot of potential in that for us. So I, I don't see any reason you can't blend a little sour beer into this. And judging by how many bottles there are over there, I mean, I'm sure Eric <laughs> yeah, is fully capable of, you know, making, making a blend. No but, kidding. Uh, so, yeah, we do have, uh, I think, one or two more to try. So uh, what, what next? Uh, let's go with the one that has a teal cap. 
kind of bluish. You know, while, while Scott's opening that, I'm just going to ask you another a quick follow. What was the hopping rate on this uh, Brett Saison? Uh, it was all Nelson Sauvin, and uh, I did just 10 grams um, at like 60, 15, and 5, and then I dry hopped it a little bit. Uh, I probably would have maybe upped the dry hop a little bit, but, you know, it's it's bound to, I guess, maybe die off eventually. So, oh, That's excellent. And then any other uh, information for <laughs> the, the maybe people are listening and they want to make this because I have sold it hard. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Any Anything else you think was key to kind of getting this end flavor in that beer? I mean, I guess not really. Just kind of treat it like a Saison. Um, that, that blend from Y-Yeast is, is killer. Uh, and like I said, it is limited availability, but I believe it is available now. And like I said, I'm, I'm going to try and make another iteration. I'm not even sure if I can repeat it. I hope so, but... Uh, yeah, I'm going to get some. I'm going to try to repeat it. <laughs> <laughs> I had to pour uh, Jay a separate glass of the uh, Hefe, the Brett Hefe we're about to drink, because he still has a little bit of the previous beer uh, in his glass because it was full. Awesome. Yeah, all right. So what's next? Okay, so um, that one is, like it's a, like you said, a Brett Hefe. I, I pretty much always co-pitch uh, my clean sack strain with whatever funky, sour bacteria, whatever I'm doing at the same time but this one i was hoping that uh, maybe the brett would do something interesting to the esters and phenols from like a hef strain uh, so i use the lalama not uh dan star the hef strain i forget the actual name anyway so let that sit for a while and turns out i i heard the episode a few days later that talked about uh, ethyl lactate it was thrown off ethyl lactate and I tasted it, and it was really pineapple-y. And so I thought, hey, I'll throw some pineapple on it. In hindsight, maybe it would have been a little interesting just to see how pineapple it got without that. But uh, either way, I- I'm pretty happy with how it turned out. Yeah, it works. Yep. <laughs> Definitely pick up the pineapple on the aroma on the palate. Just I get good acidity with a lot of white gummy bears, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Which is like kind of the mystery flavor, but I think it's supposed to be a little bit of pineapple and tropical fruit. Yeah, this is great. It's terrific. Yeah, I, I'm wondering. So we did a beer uh, at the Rare Barrel with pineapple, and uh, it, it turned out really well. Um, but I guess the trouble with pineapple sometimes is just how much sweetness you leave in it versus how much you ferment out. And then also, I guess there's an enzyme in pineapple that potentially can can kill certain yeasts, or I don't know all the details of that, but I've heard of it happening in a few beers. Did you? encounter any problems with either of those or was using pineapple a pretty straightforward process for you i mean i guess i uh pretty much just treated it like all my other fruit cut it up into manageable pieces freeze it and then just kind of mush it up before i rack on top of it did you see a, a vigorous refermentation or at least signs of refermentation in your uh carboy or wherever you're restoring it yeah it seemed to it seemed to kick off relatively uh quick and i i was adding it um so i should say also, that the brett that I used in this was the East Bay Amalgamation. Uh, I believe it was the second generation of that I was using. I just put it right onto the cake. Um, and so it was it was pretty aggressive in there. And I threw it in there. I threw the pineapple in. Not too long after primary had sort of slowed down, I just was interested to see what esters and phenols might be around. And like I said, I got the pineapple. And so I thought I'd throw in some pineapple. So um, there was still probably lots of viable stuff in suspension 
That's great. I mean, it's what, what we've been talking about when it comes to blending and actually kind of reflects a lot of our process at the Rare Barrel, which is experiment with primary fermentation or primary and secondary. Make a base beer with some kind of flavor, but then take stock of it and kind of see where to go with that. And I think you've done a, a great job with it here. There's a lot of challenges when it comes to, uh, you know, we're talking with uh, Nick earlier about his beers and, you know, do you blend to, or was it Nick or were we talking to you, Lane? It was, I can't remember, but uh, <laughs> I think we're both, we're well, Nick, a is, Nick is the only one who blended. I haven't blended any of mine. That's right. So he was blending to kind of the flavor of the base beer and building off of that. So I think that's a that's a great approach. And it sounds like Eric, that's what that's what you're doing here as well. Yeah, I was kind of thinking, um, you know, before coming on the show that I don't, uh, or I, at least I didn't. I'm increasing all the time my capacity, but. Uh, didn't have a lot of capacity for blending and uh, I guess in a way fruit has kind of been my compensation for that um, I kind of I guess tell people I let I let the beer tell me what it wants and I just kind of look out for that fruit then when I can find it on the cheap because you know the the Brett's just gonna kind of get better if you let it sit so hey uh, Eric yeah, I think we have a, pr- a proprietary blend <laughs> speaking, for you here. speaking of what we want so sorry we were uh, we're taking a little liberty with uh, some of your beers little splash of this uh, pineapple beer in the uh, the Brett Saison. Oh, yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. That's, yep. that's, uh, that's where it's at. That is the ticket. See, now I wish I had some of that. Oh, it's yeah. so good. <laughs> that's terrific. Well, uh, we got a few more beers. Oh, I think we have. I think we just have the one more, the orange cap, right? Oh, orange cap? One more, yep. Yeah. All right. I, have, okay. I have a quick question on the pineapple. So did you notice a lot of uh, acidity pickup from the pineapples themselves? Because I noticed pineapples are very acidic fruit so i don't know if you tasted uh before and after you added the uh pineapples and notice a, a pickup from the actual pineapples on uh acidity yeah um you know like i said when i when i first sampled it there um it was just coming down off of primary so it was you know still a little yeasty and there was some other stuff going on but uh the pineapple definitely increased the acidity i i guess i can't say how much unfortunately i don't have a a pH meter, or, or you know, I guess this would just even be perceived, but uh, yeah, definitely, definitely increase that. All right, what's this? Uh, the last beer we have? Yeah, so that um, I kind of got inspired to do that one after I believe it was the Milk the Funk episode, talking about the proper methods of doing a kettle sour, and I, you know, purged it and all that fun stuff. So this was the first iteration of that Brett amalgamation for primary. And then the lacto-souring was with a probiotic, just little capsules that I got from the pharmacy. It had a, uh, had seven different species of lactobacillus in it, and I um, kettle-soured it for, I think, 36 hours. And it's it got quite sour and then uh, added some raspberries, just three pounds of frozen raspberries, so not a super high rate on that, but uh, I like, I guess, the blend that came together yeah i would say it's uh so of the of the kettle sour beers we've had tonight this one's probably the most sour i mean yeah i would say so a raspberry on top kind of uh increases the acidity but mm-hmm. um i'm i'm getting an interesting well what do you guys think there's, there's something in the smell that i actually can't i can't place i'm not it's not good or bad it's just something that's sticking out to me so i picked this up on a few beers ago um not not with this um set of beers that we're going through but like for me, I think I think raspberries maybe kick off a little bit of green pepper, 
a little bit of greenness to me, and I don't know if that is actually from the raspberries or from something else, and maybe I'm just sensitive to it. But I, when I first smelled this, I was thinking green peppers, and then I was like, when you said raspberries, I go, okay, yeah, I can get that. But it, it might be something. Maybe I'm just really sensitive to that type of aroma. Like the, the green yeah, bell the, pepper. Yeah, the green bell pepper type type aroma. Interesting, Scott. Do you see any of that? Yeah, I'm. I think I'm perceiving it as something different, though. I was. I did get it earlier, but in this beer, I always. It's not the right descriptor. I always say it. As it pertains to goose, I always use charcoal as the word, and that's I don't think that's really the right word to use, but I get it on the aroma and on the flavor of this beer, and I don't mean it as a bad thing, and I don't even think it's the right word, like I said, but I get a little bit of that sort of goosey, charcoal-y thing. Charcoal, diesel, cedar sometimes? Yeah, that's a good one, It's but and it's not to be confused with petrol, because it's not fuel, No, right? Ah, man, I wish I, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I wish I had a better sort of word for it. Yeah, and I I got that in the the Crooked Stave Drake beer, a little bit of that cedar. Yeah, yeah, it was present there too. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, and we get that in some of our beers at the Rare Barrel. Actually, when we were out at Wicked Weed, I tasted a lot of theirs. That's an aroma that I really like. I agree. Yeah, I like it too. It's like if you can get that, you know, you're talking about like one of the main goose aromas. So that's awesome. But maybe it's coming from... uh, the amalgamation. I don't know. What do you think, Eric? I, you know, it might be. Um, I, I can't say enough good things about that blend. Uh, I, like I said, I did those last two beers with that, and uh, I gotta order some more because uh, I don't have any on hand right now. But <laughs> so, so, when did you pitch the amalgamation in their process? So, um, did the like I said, thirty thirty six hour souring, brought it back up to a boil just for like ten minutes, and this one was a no hop. Didn't use any hops in that one. Uh, and then right after I did a primary of USO5 and the Brett amalgamation at the same time. Great. So kind of using that Brett amalgamation as kind of like at the same time as your primary fermentation. Yep. And I, you know, I just kind of figure I'm doing it in a vial and, you know, that's a smaller pitch, even though you're doing it at the same time. I feel like the sack gets a head start and it. I just feel like if you stress out the Brett and I know we've talked about it on the show um, that it kind of does a little more interesting things. Yeah, and I think it's done that here. Yeah, sure. Well, Eric, thanks so much for sending out all the beers, and you know, hey, maybe maybe my favorite beer of the night, the uh, the Brett saison. You gotta you yeah. gotta make a new batch and send it back out, and maybe <laughs> blend in a little bit of the uh, pineapple yeah. sour. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a try. And you, you can name it uh, TBN Blend, but unlike Jamie, it will actually mean the Brewing Network Blend. The Brewing blend. Network Blend. Yeah. Thanks for sending in these beers, Eric. Thanks for joining us on the show, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Cheers, dude. Awesome. What a great show. Oh, that was man. a lot of fun. Man, so many good beers. <laughs> From so many different brewers. And I'm drunk. The kind of <laughs> I'm kind of buzzed right now. The thread, the thread across the mall was quality. You know? Yeah, man. And what, so what is that? Five uh, sour beer brewers? Nope. We actually noticed we didn't open the one from the rare barrel. I'm, I'm oh, the sour tooth? <laughs> no, I'm saving <laughs> that for myself, man. Oh, yeah, of course. I've, I've already keistered it. Typical. I'm surprised all the <laughs> all you listeners uh, who sent in beer, I'm surprised there was enough, you know, to get on the show tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that was that was awesome. That was a lot of fun. Thank you guys, not just for the, the beers tonight, but the overall overwhelming uh support for the show and just to have it interactive and you know see see the results of us having these uh great guests on the show and having it come through with your guys beers i mean it's 
I don't know how much it has to do with us, but I, I feel a certain sense of pride. Oh, and, you should. And you should. that's, and you know, it's, it's great. I, I think, you know, the, the rising tide, uh, lifts all boats. So agreed. I think, uh, it's been quite an experience and it's, it shows like this that, uh, that keep me going. You know? <laughs> it's, not the, it's certainly not your hot girlfriend with the mole on her ass cheek. I, I don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> there's no mole. There is a hot girlfriend. <laughs> but there's no mole. It keeps you going. Pivo shaking her head. Oh, Pivo right. finally decided to pay attention. Don't get me in trouble, Scott. No, I've, had, I've been paying attention the oh, whole time. Okay. I've had my headphones in. Uh-huh. All right. Yeah. Now's as good a time All as right, any. Yeah. With our new outro, which we didn't really mention on the last show. But here it is. We did mention it by doing uh, it. Sort of. Well, thanks to Lane. Thanks for uh, joining us tonight. Thanks, yeah, Lane. it was fun. Yeah, I appreciate cool. it. Great beers. Awesome. Thanks to Bevo. Thanks for staying late, Bevo. You're welcome. Thank you, Scott. You're welcome. Thanks to all you listeners for sending a beer. You're welcome. We'll see you next time. Stay sour. Stay sour.